This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wood, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal Cast and YouTube. Hey guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast. This is our post world episode, and we're actually going to be talking about that mm -hmm. and what a small scale high comp event is going to do for the metagame and what it means financially for you guys yep. so that's that's the gist of it today oh absolutely um this worlds was interesting because we got back to that extremely small meta like we've seen in, in worlds prior and i don't mean the last two or three years i mean like five six years ago you know when kevlar was playing Worlds still and they were playing uh BK. not extended but barely modern and how this kind of parallels what Pro Tours used to be. Or yep. large population, high uh, visibility GPs were. And the similarity there is that for Pro Tours in formats like Standard, because they were generally centralized around a set release, you had what was what we like to think of as an unsolved meta. Yep. You know, pros, pros would come in for a brand new format in Standard, or after a rotation for something like Extended, and they would play the decks that they thought were best for that particular small field event. And yep. that's what we saw here. Then coming out of that, you have you know, kind of two schools of thought among tournament players. You're going to have people that are going to play what they think is the best, so they're going to jump onto something that was in the top eight or highly represented with a really good uh, breakdown and percentage. Uh, Patrick Chapin used to provide that information in years past, yep. generally on like the Monday after a Pro Tour. Um, and uh, now uh, Frank Karsten got C&D. Yep. Suck it! So we're not going to get that anymore, but the other school is, well, we'll take that information and we'll iterate on the format, and then we'll yep. create what's best coming out of this. Yeah. So you've got to take this in kind of a, a two-fold stance and say, okay... Do I want to make my money off of the first group of people that are going to buy into those high-profile decks because they did well? Or do I want to wait a little bit and see what comes out on Moto or see what people are talking about on Arena that are 5 0 leagues or yeah. uh, going, what is it, 7-0 in Arena? Yeah, 7 0 I think is the way it works now, yeah. And just kind of make my money on the people who are going to iterate, I believe, and... Uh, I should know because I'm on the website. I believe there's a Star City event this coming weekend. Yes, there is. So yes, I'll is... be at Indy, actually. So, you know, come out and see me. Yeah, so this is the weekend where we're going to see that iteration on the format. So we're going yeah. to be able to see what we're talking about here put into well, practice. Well, Indy is a pioneer for the main, so it'll be in the standard side that you'll see it. Uh, yeah, and there, there's not a classic. Oh, damn. Yeah. Actually. Wow. Foot in mouth, there's no standard until <laughs> April at Star City, at least in classic or open format, but they should still have sides. Yeah, they, they'll still have sides, um, and I'll follow us on Twitter. I'll be posting some stuff I hear there. But it's it's inter it's an interesting dynamic now, especially because it used to be uh, in the old Pro Tour format, there's still Pro Tours. You would have the Pro Tour, which would be release weekend or the couple weeks after, where it was an unsettled, wide-open meta. Yep. And then by the following GP, which was usually a couple weeks later, you had the solved or settled meta. And it's going to be interesting because now 
Uh, I'd have to take a look at the event page, but I'm not sure if there's going to be... Let's take a look real quick. I believe the next GP that is standard... Oh, I have this up. It is, it, it, is March 6th in Leon, and then March 13th in Detroit. Yep. So we have almost a month before we have another high-profile standard event mm -hmm. to find out what the meta looks like. So there's a little bit more uncertainty than there used to be. So it's either going to be similar to what you said. You either buy into the hype decks or try to dump the hype decks. Mm -hmm. uh, or you do some meta interpretation and try to figure out what's good in those matchups that you can leverage. Yes. And this is where uh, having the most amount of sources for data is going to be the most useful for you. Um, yep. If you moved in on cards coming out of release, this is where you really want to start paying attention to you know, what you've picked up in high quantity or what you're expecting to see coming forward, You know, because you'll be yeah. able to either churn or maybe pivot into, into something new as people are playing you know, whatever. Obviously, with a mono red deck doing very well at Worlds, you're going to see a lot of people pick up the pieces for that. So while we do have the Challenger decks to talk about later, you're going to have to figure out, okay, do I want to try and buy into Ember Cleaves now with the announcement because they've dropped in price, and maybe I can move them to people who want to build Mono Red because it is not yeah. the easier deck to play overall, but probably the easiest deck to learn in the shortest amount of time. Yep. And it can just win by turn four. So and we saw that none of the Jeskai decks or controllers could keep up with it. Or do you want to do yeah. something uh, a little different and buy into the Cavaliers, which are not seeing a reprint? And we saw throughout the event that basically Jeskai Fires and Azor Control are kind of a 50-50 matchup. Yeah. And move those to people who are going to be looking to play in local events, uh, any standard MCQs or whatever that's coming up, whatever the PTQs, whatever they're called now. Yeah, they're PTQs again. Players Tour qualifiers. It's a pro tour. Yep, or get ahead by yeah. watching high-profile players who are going to be preparing for these events. The yeah. In a situation like this, I, I like option two. Um, that's how I got ahead on Expansion Explosion and a few other standard notables. And... I just started, I just cast my net and started watching streamers for a couple of weeks leading into one of the first Magic Fests to see what was going on. And yeah. Expansion Explosion just kind of ran away with Standard shortly after uh, its release. So to me, that's where I would want to be. I, I would want to be looking ahead and I would be want to be watching, you know, uh, Huey Jensen play Standard. I would want to watch Todd Anderson play Standard. Uh, I'm trying to think. There's anybody else uh like any of the events that you can yeah sigrist yeah. is great any of the mkms or stuff that's streamed there's a couple stores i mean even watching card kingdom's friday night magic stream i every little bit helps yeah. because you know that seattle actually has a pretty good amount of very good players who have a good eye for the metagame so even going into the weeds and grabbing that stuff mm -hmm. can be helpful in this process now yep and so that's me. That's where I would want to be. That's where I like to be coming out of uh, events like this. Or when Star City was kind of uh, desunk a little more from set releases. We could watch that top eight kind of form up and start moving into cards immediately then to catch people over the next few weeks iterating over the decks that just kind of dominated those large form opens. Yep. So 
I, I like that aspect of things instead of trying to jump on what one. Like, if I, I, just... I also agree with that. The problem with what one in my eyes is you're basically looking at it was what Pro Tour Kaladesh, I think, that showed a one with that Grixis list. And I will never forget the interview afterwards. Oh, the Grixis control list? Yeah, the Grixis yeah. control list. It, they ask him, you know, what what would you tell anyone that wants to watch, anyone that wants to build this deck? Yep. And he looks at the person asking the question, he says, don't build Pro Tour deck. Because the Pro Tour metagame is a little bit different. Yep. Uh, but pretty much every other archetype from the Pro Tour went on to be a deck after that. Mm -hmm. It was just Shoda's winning list. He said, look, I, I looked at, you know, the 32 guys here and girls, and I said, this is what I'm going to attack the metagame with and build it. Yep. So I don't think, like you said, going with just the winning list or something is necessarily best, uh, in my opinion. Another good example of that is uh, Eldritch Moon. Uh, I yep. actually had a, a PT viewing party for that, and when, uh, was it, Teamer Emerge started to crop up, and we knew that was going to head towards the top eight. We built that deck to play test for like a day and a half. And that deck was terrible in an open field, but it won the PT. So there were going to be people that were buying into it. Yeah. You know, as a player, that's more of where I am. I would look at what won and buy into that to play. As a financier, that's not where I want to be necessarily. Yeah. If I think there's a little bit of value I could extract, then sure, I might move in on something short term. You know, there, yeah. were, there were people putting offers up for Embercleave uh, and Brazen Borrower. I think I saw Borrower buy list on Facebook for 18 And I was like, that's probably not the worst price right now. So if I wanted to move in on that, as people were going to try and look for that cards to play Azor Control coming out of the uh, out of Worlds, yeah, I might start offering at 18 to try and cast a small net, at least, on uh, some, some short-term games. Against. I don't yep. think that card will be under 25 for too long as long as it sees plays it's standard yeah but, yeah i uh and it, it's interesting too because so they love announcing announcements right yep. and they announced at worlds we're going to announce the new secret lair okay well they announced the secret lair we got a reprint of all of the gods great fantastic and then as we touched on earlier they announced these challenger decks Yep. Which normally I wouldn't really care about. Uh, but there's some really high-value reprints in these that were very prominent at Worlds. Um, so looking at, let's see, and we'll throw this link up in the description. Yep. Props for MTGA Zone for this article, where they broke down top creatures, top non-creatures, top lands. So top... Creatures, Bone Crusher Giant, Robber the Rich, Brazen Borrower were the top three. And the Challenger decks, we have Brazen Borrower, Bone Crusher Giant, and I don't think there's a robber. No, because it wasn't in the red deck. So the red deck we right. talked about um, being old form. Uh, it yeah. is Embercleave, but Cavalcade of Calamity instead. Yep. Uh, and Chandra's Ac Acolyte in the main. Uh, and then yeah. Brazen Borrower in the Simic Flash list, which notably doesn't have Breeding Pool. Yes. Uh, and then top non-creature spells, we have Mystical Dispute, Aether Gust, which 
they're the four dollar uncommons at every GP that people are scrambling for at the end. Yep. And then number three, Teferi. So Teferi notably dodged it. So obviously makes sense, right? We have yep. Mystical Dispute and Aether Gust in the sideboard of the blue deck that also or the Simic deck that also has Brazen Bower. Teferi you can expect to go up, which was already at a $17 buy list. Yeah. Dodging this reprint is insane for that card. Yeah. Whereas even Chandra, which I believe ninety five and Phoenix was paying like eight or nine dollars for acolytes, as a three of in that deck, it's basically going to have the Hazard effect. Yeah. When Hazard and Heart were printed in those Challenger decks, they were twenty five thirty dollar cards. Crushed yeah. as soon as those hit. Yeah. Down to like sub five for both. Yeah, the, the interesting part about the Jeskai Fires deck, which is where we would have seen uh, Jace most likely, is that it is the Planeswalker deck. So these are essentially decks that were frozen in time from, oh man, this is like late fall, I think. Yeah. But Jace was in this list. Teferi. Or Teferi, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Teferi was in this list and thus notably absent purposefully. Yeah. Uh, they just decided to put, was it Sahili in here for no reason? I think yeah. compared to what was being played in standard when you had a uh, planeswalker fires or cavalier fires. Yeah. But Omen uh, of the Sea is in here, which is odd. Yeah, it was interesting that they included that. And also, uh, the top lands at the Pro Tour, Mountain, Island, Steam Vents, Fabled Passage. Guess both of those were printed. We have a Steam Vents and we have Fabled Passage in I think two decks. Uh, Fable Passage is definitely in two decks, and Steam Vents yeah. is in... So Steam Vents and Jeskai Fires. Yeah. Um, oh, and we also have Castle Red and Black printed, which were 5 to $7 buy lists recently. Yes. So it's interesting that all of these cards were played at Worlds, and they announced before the meta was like really settled, obviously they had the deck lists. Mm-hmm. We're basically printing everything of value in these worlds oh, lists. Uh, Castle Vantress is also in here as well. Oh, yeah, it is. You're right. As a two-of yeah. in the Simic list. And Thassa's Intervention. Yeah, that, that yeah. list is insane. And so going into the important decks right here is probably very wise if, in my opinion, you're hitting your Fabled Passages, your Brazen Borrowers, Yep. And your Chandras. Those are the three that I would hit. Because once these Challenger decks hit in April, those prices are going to tank. And I would fully expect that similar to what happened with Walking Ballista, which went down to a $7 card mm-hmm. and is now a $17 buy list, Fabled Passage and Borrower are going to recover. Yes. Chandra is going to recover. Those cards are evergreen. They will be played in EDH. They will be played in Pioneer. They will be played in Modern. Brazen Bowers played in Legacy. So is Fabled Passage. Mm-hmm. Maybe. It, it's eternal. And I think it's I saw just... a vintage list with Fabled Passage the other day. Like, <laughs> sure. <why not? laughs> it was the uh, the Galumpy list that I posted that was like Painter Servant, Grindstone, Brain Freeze, yeah. uh, Astro. Oh, yeah. It, it was on... There was a guy that... Uh, let me see if I can find it. It was in the Japanese group. And on Facebook, and he said, "Don't ask me. It's not for sale. I just five owed with this pile in Vermont, and it was half 
There it is. Uh, we have Grindstone, Painter Servant, Wishclaw Talisman, LEDs, The Welder Package, Underworld Breach. I don't know what this list is. <laughs> yeah. But that's... And it, it runs a Fabled Passage. Okay. But those those three cards are, for me, speaking of strategies, the three that I would target coming out of Worlds. Because at a high-profile event, mm-hmm. you have announcement made very publicly that everybody knows that these cards are coming it's high profile there's no way people don't so numbers are going to tank yeah and if you even like at this point if you're holding long term you could realistically trade at like 80 percent of let's see brazen borrower is already down to yeah it's just gonna check. is 18 you could swap that out at I don't know, twelve bucks. And if you if you do twelve on that, there is, I would say there's a zero percent chance you don't make your money back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think Brazen Bar was going to be the most interesting of the bunch because there was a point in time where it was pre-ordering for under twenty, which is where the market price is headed to now. It's been tanking since about a week yeah. ago, and or a little under a week ago, and. I think a lot of the price point, the initial price point, was a bunch of people just moving in on mass quantity while it was below twenty. Because they yeah. look, at, they looked at it, they thought this is going to be the set, uh, the mythic of the set. Uh, if it's not Oko, it'll be this. If it is Oko, it might still be this. The effect is extremely powerful for what it does, and yeah. the ability to turn a tempo spell into a creature is going to be extremely valuable and extremely powerful. So what I think might actually happen with Borrower is going to be a little more unique than the rest where there might be a flood of these into the market as yep. people who are, who bought in might be getting out still at value. But as the market yeah. kind of falls around them, there might just be a, a flood that could maybe sate demand for a little yeah. bit longer than the rest. Just because this card is no longer all over legacy it is not really vintage much anymore i don't i haven't seen it pop up in a bunch of the modern lists i've been looking at so it's kind of a standard card right now so it's kind of fallen out of favor and for it to hold that 20 plus dollar price tag that it was going to before it's going to have to perform and overperform to to climb back up in the short term and i don't think that's going to happen so yeah i like borrower as a, a target better than the other three yeah I I think, especially, the eternal utility is way better for that than the other two. Yeah, Chandra I think has modern playability. I don't think it sees play in other eternal formats, but people no. love Pillow Fort and EDH, and that's the only thing I can think of. Okay. Uh, yeah. Then then we have, you know, Fabled Passage is Pioneer forever. Yeah. Uh, well, as long as Pioneer exists, who knows? In a year, they may announce a format that kills that. Maybe historic becomes a thing. Yeah. Uh, but for uh, for what it's worth, uh, while I remember this, because uh, I was kind of curious, you know, standard is an interesting place when it comes to rotation right now. We're going to see uh, Teferi rotate out in the fall of 2020. Throne is going to be around until uh, the winter of 2021. Sorry, not fall 2020, uh, winter 2020. The same thing with Throne. So that gives Brazen Borrower Fabled Passage a much longer timetable to recover. Yep. and perform yeah. in standard and in older formats as well. So in the short term, 
if you can move in, then I would move in. Yeah. But I and do it now, do it in April, whatever. I Brazen Bauer is the closest thing to free money that we're going to get in a while, if I had to guess. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've had a card that's just been stable $20, where you can just walk in and expect to get the same value from anybody you talk to, because everybody yeah. understands what that card is worth. Um, they're, they're, the rest of this stuff is just going to be kind of all over, you know, like, whether the the black-green deck does anything to Murderous Rider is kind of a, a TBD. The rest of that deck needs to be good. And yeah. the only deck that played black at Worlds was uh, Piotr Golgowski on uh, the Jun Sacrifice deck. Yep. And that did, uh, did not do well. He wound up in ninth place. And I don't think there's a... There is a singular Murderous Rider in the entire list. Yeah. Looking down the list. And yep. that's it. That's it. So I would be a little worried about the price on on that card coming out of the uh, the Challenger decks. It's it looks like it's just going to be a sub three dollar card, whatever it's worth. Yeah. Now. It's not a card I I cared to check out before. I thought it was overhyped. And here we are. Remember when everyone thought that Oka was terrible? Yeah, it's a six dollar yeah. card right now. I mean, I like I could be proven wrong. Vrasus Contempt and Heroes Downfall were both great yeah. cards, but I just didn't think this one had much of a place in the standard meta. However, coming out of Worlds, like we talked about before, as people iterate on the format, if a if another deck pops up that's a heavier black invested deck, something that wants to actually abuse the graveyard, then this is not a bad card. Yeah, overall to just attempt to rebuy either back into your hand or even just as the two three a lifelinker yeah i mean the, the trigger's a little weird good. but yeah. yeah lucky clover makes it decent and there's that's the deck they effectively made you could still ramp out insane with that deck but you know kind of, kind of tbd i don't think it's going to do much but i don't really yeah. play standard much anymore so i can't say one way or the other for sure it's a bad format that's you know and the fall going to get better I mean, look, I'm I'm testing Doomsday, so here I am. Uh, I love Doomsday. Yeah, we need we need that in standard. That's what we need. Oh yeah, yeah, just the triple black sorcery to lose half your life. You yeah. can win with Thassa's Oracle in standard, modern, legacy, Perfect. and vintage. Yeah. Doomsday, all formats. That's <laughs> uh, terrible. Oh, oh. it's a good card. It's a good card. I actually yeah, like the Challenger decks more than I like the uh, the Secret Layer. Uh, I agree. I think honest. the Challenger decks are a good product. Record that, snip it, whatever, uh, because it makes the worst format more accessible. Yeah, and that's how you get people into real formats. I wish they'd do these sooner. I don't like announcing it in February for with a two month gap, April third ish. You know, that, that's yeah. a lot to ask people to hold on to or hold that's on. That's very for. true. I'd wish they'd do these with uh, with standard releases similar to like Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon tins. Just release Challenger decks like a month after a new set happens, so people who buy those high-profile cards, yep, can actually play with them for a while and not feel bad when you crush the value of them. And you don't need to do what Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon does, which is basically print stuff into the ground by making it you know play sets in each or, or whatever yeah. two to two to four. You can do what you do here and make this kind of watered-down version and still let people search for what they need to. But if you want people to play standard and, you know, 
this is an alternative product you're making money on and not just packs. Yeah. Why not just pump these out instead of those bullshit intro decks or the Planeswalker decks? Like, yeah, this is harder to play with, but you don't care. Yeah. Like, you can get a starter deck from a, a store for free, the one that just comes with commons and uncommons. They will throw them at you. If yes, you they ask. will. And that's how you can learn to play. It comes with a little map that unfolds. I might have a couple still sealed in the back because I needed them to ship shit out in. And yeah. then you just make these instead. It's pretty great. Yeah. Even if you off-cycle it and, uh, you know, Ikoira's is up to Eldraine, or not Eldraine, yeah. up to Theros, you know, when that drops, and that's kind of effectively what they're doing, at least still print them four times a year. Yeah. Because it also gives you... A, if you want to put one Embercleave in this deck, cool. But if the Mono Red deck survives, it gives you the opportunity to put another Embercleave in another one of these decks. And chances are, the person who's playing Mono Red, if they only have that one Embercleave still, will would most likely buy another one of these decks because MSRP might just be cheaper than that yeah. Embercleave. And I, it, it's weird because it used to be... And, and there's still some games where when they have the sealed product, all of the singles, as soon as they're released, are worth... Enough to add up to that retail price. Yeah. And that's just how it works. And we're kind of uniquely positioned because that's not the case. Even when this stuff is readily accessible, sometimes it's just not enough. Yeah, and it's not like they're they're trying to avoid these not being able to enter the hands of the players. Like, if they wanted yeah. to do that, then they would just make the one-for-one -one tournament decks and sell them as such. And then they'd yeah. have to worry about, all right, vendors going to crack them, will they make the players, etc.? But the way yeah. they are built now, people still have to go out and find the rest of the cards. I just don't understand this. This is a perfectly viable product that's kind of ridiculous not to. Like, on yeah. Arena, I know they had the event over the weekend when they made it to top four, or was it top eight, where you could basically just play an event where you could play any uh, one of the, the world's decks. Yeah, yep. But I don't think you could actually buy the deck one-to-one -one in Arena. No. If you wanted to play it, you still had to sit there and like find the list externally and import it into Arena, and then buy the rest of it. Why you couldn't just say, Hi, I would like to buy this deck for gems. Yeah. One like day, maybe we'll get a secondary market. I would love that. Well, it's not even that. It's just like, there are obvious ways to make decent money as this company, and they just... They see the easy way, right? It's right in front of them. It's within arm's reach, and they just shoot themselves in the face instead. It's like the Eric Andre meme. Why would you do this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bam! <laughs> <laughs> That's Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. I don't, I don't uh, know. Oh, well. We, we, we digress a little. Yes. I think, I think we flapped our jaws long enough. We can uh, move on to picks if you want. Sure. All right. Sounds good. All right. Uh, I'll go first because mine's, kind of, mine's kind of a spicy meme given the fact that people dislike Pioneer right now because they want bands. But mine is going to be Prime Speaker Vanifar. Prime Speaker, Vanifar. So, before I bring the card up, I'll actually bring up the reasoning. So, uh, Jerry, Tom yep, Jerry Thompson tweeted uh, about a week ago a 5-0 list that is up right now. That is a Demir, well, not Demir Inverter list. It is a Birthing Pod list for Pioneer. That yep. uses Prime Speaker to go up the chain to allow you to play your Inverter. It's pretty great. Yep, it also has Eldritch Evolution in the list, so you can then uh, restart the chain uh, if you lose the Vanifar and chain into Thassa's Oracle and win that way. And what I want to point out is that even if you ban Dig Through Time, there is still another way to do this stupid thing with Thassa's Oracle 
an inverter. Yep. So what does that mean? Dig through time is not the problem. It's just your straw man. It's your whipping boy. You can still do this because there are ways to interact that are with inverter and oracle because they're both uh, ETBs. Right? I'm not being yep. dumb here with Thassa's oracles. No, they're both ETBs. Yep. So prime speaker, and Vanifar, is right now a little over three dollars too uh, affordable yes that's exactly it too affordable for yet another version of the card birthing pod now we saw this card hold a decent price tag when it first released because people were doing dumb things in modern with it basically playing four color vanifar and going up the chain into zealous conscript slash restoration angel and kiki cheeky yep and you would can you would just use kiki jiki to make a copy of restoration angel which would blink kiki jiki kiki jiki comes back into play you make another copy of resto angel and then you have a bunch of them just unban splinter twin free the political yep, prisoner exactly or or um zealous conscripts which uh, when it enters the battlefield, you gain control of target permanent, permanent, untap it, and it gains haste. So you can gain control of your stuff or your opponent's stuff. You untap it and it gains haste. So with Kikijiki, you make a copy of the conscripts. It enters the battlefield. It triggers. You gain control of your own Kikijiki, untap it, and Oops. you make another copy of it. Yeah. And that's what we were seeing with Vanifar in modern but now we're seeing vanifar and pioneer in what is considerably a soul tie shell yeah you know you're not doing a lot because all your creatures have to be interactive you can't play a lot of spells they might find a way to put some protection here uh in here in the main and thought seizes right now they're in the board yeah but this is a list i would expect to pick up if people do believe that a, a dig through time ban is forthcoming and this is going to be a list you're going to have to contend with it's going to be another inverter list and it's going to be yep killing with oracle moreover this is still going to be somewhere on the uh the edh rec scale of why are you not playing this birthing pot is seeing play birthing pot has a real price it is not even a prime speaker is not even a mythic yeah sorry, oh, sorry birthing pot is not even a mythic prime speaker is a mythic but it is right now in about 553 decks total yeah. Splinter Twin and EDH is effectively a teamer combo deck. Because you get Perforos, you get Splinter Twin in red, and then in blue green, you have Bounding Crasis, which is the Pester Might Deceiver Exarch copy from uh, MTG Origins. You have Vanifar, and then you have all the, the creature fetch you need in green. Yep. This slots right in. This is one of the cards that are $3. That is just an incorrect price it's, i'm certain we've hit the floor it's been stable there for a long time i don't know why this card doesn't hit five and then seven shortly thereafter yeah so it's easy to find at three you do not have to bargain hunt for this thing i would just start buying them slowly as you can and eventually we'll just watch the price tick up 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 i would expect this to be most likely a longer term hold unless this pioneer list starts spiking yeah, it, it could, given the, the saturation of high-profile events that, we, that will be Pioneer for over a month. Magic Fest and yeah. Star Cities. So, that's my pick. Solid. I approve. I picked it a while ago because of Standard and because I thought that EDH long-term, there's just going to be more and more creatures printed that are busted. And I think that, like you said, it's floored. 
And especially because, like, Diggs probably going to get banned because people are clamoring for it. It's not the right call, but whatever. But, you Lotus know. Breach doesn't even run four or runs two. Yeah. Uh, my pick is a little bit less unknown. God, that's crazy. Uh, I, yeah. I went for Chalice of the Void, specifically Mirrodin. And the reason I did that is because it's really low. I the, the TCG low right now is thirty something dollars, and it's on buy lists for let's see. Oh no, low is thirty four ninety nine currently. It's on buy list for thirty two dollars, and it's seeing the lowest play it's seen in almost a year. It's a low point for a year ago, mm-hmm. and. Modern is presumably going to be back on the upswing because we're going to get into modern events. And Tron is still Tron. Tron is still going to do Tron things. It's still going to be one of the best decks. And eventually, Legacy is going to come back. I just don't think that there is a possible way that the community doesn't rally around the format and drive it. Uh, By the way, I'll tweet out the link, posting a 10k for Nami. Selfish pump there. But I think that this card is just incredibly well positioned financially right now because if low is that close to buy list, it's only a matter of time before that number goes up. Yep. And especially getting into the seasons where it's going to be important. Let's see. In March, we have... So from March 20th to three weeks later, April 10th, three out of four GPs are modern. So we're going to have a lot of publicity on the format. And I have to expect that Chalice is never getting banned in any format at this point. Restricted and vintage, sure. Yeah, I th- Chalice, I think, is going to be your chump check in modern. And if people really want to beat Urza moving forward, this is going to have to be a go-to card. Yeah. Uh, Chalice on zero, it turns out, is very good against their lists. There it is. Chalice on zero, I think, is really going to be the, the savior. I I didn't think this card was going to do what it did originally uh, when it was, like, wicked cheap before Fate Reforge. It was, like, 8 Yeah, it was, like, 6 or $8, and I had to eat crow on that because I really did not think it was going to be a card to buy into. I did not think it would shape modern the way it yeah. did uh, shortly after uh, Fate Reforge and then again moving into Eldrazi Winter. Oh, yeah. And I, and I have to agree. This is a card that should just perennially float at 50 no matter what and it's interesting that and i I brought up the tcg player page after you mentioned the average on uh stocks says 50 but on tcg player you can buy this is probably close to 10 copies uh at lp or better for under 40 dollars each yeah like Uh, it's it's kind of crazy yeah that uh that's that's where it's down to considering it I know plenty of people that it's a $50 card still to them. Yeah. I, because there's no reason it should be what it is. No. Uh, I, it's interesting that there is these just kind of like, it's not overshadow cards. It's just cards that should maintain a value, that do maintain a value, but don't represent a value on the free market. Like TCG yeah. player. Like if I was going to If I was going to trade this out to somebody, I would most likely move this at 45 50 because this yep. is a card that should hold value, and if that was a sticking point, then I hold on to them, and I would feel happy about holding on to them, just because I know what this card is. 
you know? Yeah. So I, 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 I like the call on it. I like the ability for almost immediate arbitrage on this. It's just a, yeah. it's pricey to get into. And I think that's fine. You know, you, you can't avoid this sometimes. You make money at where you can. And if you've got a dump, you, you know, 180 to make 240, 250, then sure. so be I, yeah. Yeah. It's the type of thing that, like, what margins are you looking for and what time? Yeah, exactly. How you know, much? This, this, is, this isn't a throw it in a box and forget about it yeah. by any means, but it certainly shouldn't be as low as it is. Oh, exactly. The only thing this is going to, it's not going to tie up room like a, a lot of the specs that I suggest. This is just going to tie up capital. Yeah. And, and that's fine. And that's just another avenue for MDG finance. You've got to be okay with, you know, yep. running this game. So, yeah. like I said, uh, I like it. It just filed away under all our higher, high, expen- more expensive specs. I don't want to say yeah. high-end specs, but expensive specs that do move in time. So, I think that's going to be it for this week, guys and gals. We will yep. be back with you next week. You know, uh, Keep those comments coming. And we have been MDG Cabalcast, and you can find us on Twitter and Patreon and Facebook and just generally the internet. Yep. Personally, I am at Halt. I am Reptar on Twitter. You are... At Thirsty Sizzler. We'll see you. Deuces.